Hi everyone, my name is Marley Jones and this podcast is designed to explore ways to heal outside the traditional medical model. I've personally been in recovery from chronic illness and I want to share some of the key breakthroughs that I've used to get well. I want to discuss alternative and integrative approaches to support your body, your body's ability to heal itself. So please join me on this journey in health and wellness. Hey everyone, it's Marley here. Thanks for joining again today. I just got back from quite a little adventure that I had. I was a week away. I went bow hunting for deer, white-tailed deer in Arkansas with my brother. And I got to tell you, it was way outside my comfort zone. I haven't been big game hunting for 35 years. It was actually the first time I'd ever gone out bow hunting for big game. So uh, it's just been phenomenal, my takeaways, and I want to share a little bit about it today and how it all relates to polyvagal theory. So I really got into shooting a couple of years ago after my dad passed away. It was just one of the last conversations I had with him is that I wanted to get back into it. And with two torn rotator cuffs, I was struggling with thinking if I could ever handle it or pull weight anymore. So my dad had mentioned that I should get a crossbow, but I wanted to hang in there and stick it out and see if I could get back into shooting a compound. And I've been successful. It's been a healing process for me. And it's really remarkable how really it's been used in my life as an opportunity to unpack some grief and ways to kind of feel close to my dad again. It's been a beautiful thing. So there's there's a lot of metaphors that I kind of think through while I'm shooting, you know, about focus and instinct and how we set our sights on things in life and when we need to release when things feel right and uh, trusting our feelings or our logic and when to rely on our commi- our equipment and when to rely on ourselves and our own instincts. There's just so many takeaways that I've had with shooting and um, it really has developed some ability in my shoulder strength. I'm doing a lot better. I'm grateful. I never, I opted not to have surgery in my shoulders with the injuries that I had. And so I'm really grateful because I am able to uh, really draw a heavy load now and um, it's very empowering. So if you've never gotten into archery shooting, whether you're male or female, um, hashtag girls who shoot, I think we need to grow, grow our group of people. <laughs> So I I want to tell you a little bit about my experience with, with hunting. Um, I'd gone to Arkansas and I, and I knew I had a very low percent chance of actually shooting a trophy buck, but you know, you have these goals in mind and you visualize things and you get prepared. And at the end of the day, you realize you have very little control And there's just so many details that need to come into alignment for success. I I had prepared for two years with target shooting, but when I ended up getting to Arkansas, everything kind of got derailed. I had to change my arrows. I had to get an entirely different sight system. And sights were new to me a couple years ago because my dad had taught me to be an instinctive shooter. And so now to rely on sights, that's been new. But I had to switch those out and get a whole new system. Um, 
I had different broadheads. They carry a different weight. They have a different way that the, the flying patterns operate in. And I, so I had to make a lot of quick shifts and adjustments with my equipment. And of course, it's kind of assaulted my confidence a little bit. But, you know, with everything that I can do to support success, whether it's practice and preparation, there are just so many factors that are outside my control that must line up. And in other words, um, I took two individual shots at two different bucks, both at, you know, 28 yards, which I can shoot all day long with great accuracy. And I have two inexplicable misses. I didn't even come close and I have no idea why. And my brother chalks it up to a term called buck fever and I guess it's a real thing, and I guess I had it, and I will share with you, if you're not familiar with what that term is, what buck fever is, it really is just this like cortisol adrenaline boost where you you can't hardly breathe, your heart's beating outside your body, there's so much excitement, because you know, you can be sitting for hours in a tree stand or in a ground blind and then a buck will appear out of absolute nowhere especially when they're on the rut which means it's breeding season and they're on the move and they just appear out of nowhere and then all of a sudden you have buck fever and you kind of lose control of your body (laughs) and so I thought it was really interesting for me because I've always done everything I could to avoid that adrenaline push Like, um, I've never really enjoyed getting excited. I've never really liked scary movies. I've never, I've always taken my energy and tried to get my nervous system to calm down because my adrenals were so exhausted for so many years. And so I didn't want anything kind of, you know, I'm not one to get on roller coasters. No way, because I'd rather try to relax because if you're in a, fight or flight uh, state for so long, which I was, anything that would put you up more over the edge is like total torture. So it was very much outside my comfort zone. But with all of the strides I've made in healing my brain and central nervous system and just my systemic health, it was interesting to experience that because it made sense in the moment. I needed that boost of adrenaline and cortisol. And guess what? It actually burned off. And I had a client ask me the other day, she was, she had done some neurofeedback before she had to go surf a heat. She was in a local surf competition. And she said to me, could it be that the neurofeedback messed me up? Because when I went to bed that night, I had all of this anxiety and my heart was pounding and I felt like I was panicky and anxious all over again, but I was going to bed. That doesn't make sense. And lo and behold, you know, I thought about it and that same thing happened to me the day that I missed shooting both those bucks. I went to bed that night and I had this surge of it again. And really, it was just whatever else, whatever energy, whatever those stress hormones were in my body, where my sympathetic nervous system kicked into gear, it still needed to process some of that. And so this can happen 
that when the danger is off and the body has enough energy to try and finally move and um, kind of detox or process those extra stress hormones, then we sometimes might experience those feelings of panic and anxiety after the threat is over. And if we can casually observe those and realize, yeah, there's still something left over in my system, then, then we can just allow it to process and be okay. So I want to talk about polyvagal theory and why exactly would deer of all animals be a part of that description when they're unpacking what it is. So in fight or flight mode, which is pretty self-explanatory for most, you know, you're either going to like engage and fight back or you're going to flee from a situation of stress. But this is where the sympathetic nervous system takes over and it's to protect us from any threats. The stress hormones, adrenaline and cortisol pump into that sympathetic nervous system response. We become activated, alert, our heart rate gets faster, our blood pressure goes up and our blood is sent to our muscles because we need to get on the move. And also in this state, if this happens when we're in that fight state, we might get argumentative or yell or get physical. This is all normal physiology. Or we may kind of back up from the situation and make space for ourselves. And then we might leave the room. We might, you know, get into our car and speed off or just simply run away. If we're unable to defend ourselves through this fight or flight, then our body moves into this shutdown mode. And this is where that dorsal vagal part of the parasympathetic nervous system will take over. This dorsal vagal shutdown communication is between the body and the brain, but if there's an opportunity to fight or flight reemerges, then the sympathetic nervous system response kicks back in. Sometimes we get numb, we dissociate, we immobilize, or perhaps we even faint. Um, for example, during a sexual assault, many people automatically will go into this dorsal vagal shutdown mode. Um, even if they had a chance to fight or f flee away, it's just that fear takes over and it just causes the body to, you know, flip that switch and it goes into a protective mode and just shuts down. In a mixed polyvagal state, this is also considered that freeze mode. And why this is mixed is because the sympathetic, that fight or flight energy has nowhere to go. And at the same time, these dorsovagal nerves activate within us and our, and our instinct is to immobilize and deer do this as well. So freeze looks like a shutdown mode, but you would have the fast heart rate along with the muscle tension that you have in a sympathetic nervous system response state. So Basically, you're, you're just kind of in this high alert mode with your adrenaline and your cortisol kicking in, but then it might flip that switch to where you literally, you can't function and you have that racing heart, but you're paralyzed, you know? Um, in order to kind of move out of those states, there's some really great 
practices that we need to to have in our toolkit. Um, neurofeedback is one of the main ones that I have because I have my own machine. I know that yoga is helpful because you have your deep diaphragmatic breathing, plus you're moving the body, which allows energy to unlock and be free. If you're able to meditate, that's good. And I really like somatic exercises. If you're not familiar with that, do a YouTube search for somatic exercises where you can use movement of your body and touch to kind of calm that sympathetic state. And that way it can move us out of the shutdown moments and then our and our breath and our heart rate can start to slow because this is the parasympathetic nervous system coming into play now helps our bodies to downregulate our and our minds to relax and so if we look through the lens of the polyvagal theory there's really many mental illnesses that can be seen as this as our bodies being stuck in fight or flight isn't that interesting mental illness or like a physical response so much of it is all tied together because we are body mind and spirit so if you're dealing or struggling with depression, it's like you get into the shutdown mode. If you're having anxiety or stress, you might be in the sympathetic state. And our sense of danger can either be real or it can be imagined. And we often can produce these same physical responses, whether it's real or imagined. It's true. Your brain, your limbic system doesn't know the difference. So... You know, folks with PTSD, I work with them a lot. They're just trying to get through their day. They struggle constantly. They're always on high alert. They're, they are tense. Their nervous system is overtaxed. They're constantly trying to evaluate and respond to internal and external threats, both real and imagined. It could have been something that happened, you know, a major event, a major trauma, or it could be a series of trauma if you're in a bad relationship and you never quite feel safe. You're always on that high alert mode and you're just constantly on guard you're on the verge of overwhelm and it doesn't take much for people like this to go into fight flight or freeze response Uh, I actually work with quite a few vets and I've done some work with first responders and you know these are strong capable men and they're at the point in their lives where they can't even go to Lowe's or the grocery store without their wife there with them So when I was in that deer blind hunting with my brother for hours on end, it was just really interesting to watch the does. You know, they'd be out feeding. They'd come in mostly at dusk and at dawn. And um, they, you know, they bed down during the day and they come out to feed when when the sun starts to go down. That's kind of when they're on the move. And they're... They're an interesting creature because they're so on high alert. Their senses are so sharp. Their eyesight, their ability to detect different sounds and the smells, like they're just heightened, heightened awareness. So what's interesting is that when one deer looks up, you know, you can notice that their nose flares and their ears move and they watch, you can watch their ears track for the sounds that they hear nearby them and and the other deer usually around them will pick up on that nervous energy and listen too. And it's part of that co-regulation response. And um, they're just on the move, ready to go at any time. They're ready to bolt. And deer, when they succumb to an animal attack, their nervous systems will, you know, if they can't fight or flee, they will go into this this um, 
polyvagal shutdown state where their bodies will go limp. And so if they are alive, they kind of play dead and then their heart rate slows and they become numb and dissociated and their nervous system is no longer giving the brain the information to get the heck out of there. And then that, unfortunately, the animal dies. But what's cool is to, and you can look at it too, and even deer out in the Serengeti or parts of Africa, and there's books written on it where, you know, once the threat is over, that animal will just sit and vibrate until the cortisol and the adrenaline burns out of their system. And there's practices for people that are the same, just to sit and vibrate or get moving when you're in a stress response state, just let your bodies tremble. It's that autonomic nervous system response that releases the fear and that the stress hormones are able to dissipate. And that, you know, you just have the sense that the danger is over and then your nervous system downregulates so you can recover and rest and digest again. But deer, deer do this quickly. And thankfully, I can do that now too. I mean, my senses were on high alert the entire time I'm in that deer stand or in the ground blind and you know I'd sit for hours and hours and hours it'd be exhausting but as soon as a buck shows up boy howdy that's when that big buck fever kicks in and all of a sudden I'm like you hear everything and you're so sensitive to movement because you don't want to move too fast and scare the deer away but there's just so much that (laughs) there's so much a part of buck fever and unless you've ever experienced it in hunters tease one another because you kind of lose all faculties and abilities if you have it but this this theory is really useful this polyvagal theory because it allows people with trauma to understand what our body does to protect us and with this knowledge people with ptsd are often able to forgive themselves and to understand why they continue to experience so much activation or dissociation um also, people can realize that, that we can assert control over our nervous systems and we can help ourselves um, work through those defense cycles and move back into a ventral or social state. And if you're not understanding the terms I'm using, I'm going to give some links to where you can look up a little bit more information on polyvagal theory. One of the key findings in this research is also the importance, and you've heard me mention it before, about co-regulation which is great in our own therapies within families and within ourselves and our daily interactions because we are, as people, we're social beings and connection helps us get back into this um, ventral safe and social state. And when we become a polyvagal informed society, we're functionally we're functionally capable of listening to and witnessing to other people's experiences. And we don't really, we don't evaluate and we just listen. For, so for those wanting others to feel safe with you, think how you can communicate the safety within yourselves and amongst other people. People, um, people like my mom, she came to visit me and she's been in a stress response state because she's had a lot of childhood trauma and a lot of autoimmune disease throughout her life. And um, she's in her mid seventies now. And I notice with her, she never shuts her mind off and she's constantly making observations of the world around her, almost in like a overwhelmed state. I know when 
I would enter a room if she didn't know I was there, it would just startle her because she was just always in this hypertensive, high activative state. And it's it's not healthy if you can't downregulate and shut that off. So if you can, um, be a casual observer of yourself and your symptom picture. What What's your heart rate doing? And not to the point where you're scanning all the time and looking and digging for symptoms, but say you do notice that your heart is racing fast. Well, is there something going on around you? Did you eat a food you were allergic to? Did you inhale some, uh, I don't know, some Roundup outside? There, there's a lot of things that can happen that will affect your nervous system and your physical physicality. So just be a casual observer of it. And what's interesting about that is if, if we remove the judgment and just allow this measure of grace for ourselves that, oh yeah, something's kind of set me off and we can casually work through it and just, you know, vibrate if we need to until that, that sensation is gone, then it's helpful. And we can actually co-regulate with other people in this way too. And if you can see through that perspective that, you know, other people are dealing with trauma or that they're stressed out and be judgment free of them and show them grace and just be like, oh yeah, you know, hashtag me too. I get it. And um, we can co-regulate and be social together. And so any of you that are really wanting to get out of this overexcitement or irritability or hyperarousal or anxiety, you know, do something that is calm and relaxing. You could get yourself a weighted blanket or try meditation or yoga or just get out and ground with nature. And then for some people that are feeling numb, maybe depressed, use a form of stimulation of your five senses, you know, use aromatherapy, smell flowers, um, pet, pet your dog or cuddle or get a fur blanket, listen to music, just observe people, um, enjoy the flavors of your favorite foods and, you know, Move your body and get socially connected because these things will help calm that hyper or hypo arousal state of your nervous system and calm you when you're having that stress response and or just lift you if you're having that depressed response. Movement and somatic exercises are tremendous tools to allow stuck energy to process. And it really can be any type of movement, even fine motor skills. You can be tying or untying knots or get a color, get an adult coloring book and um, maybe even color with your non-dominant hand. It's so good for brain training. So, and if you need to lay in bed and shake because you're stressed out, just, I don't know if that's happened to you, but there's been times when my line was so bad that I would go to bed in a cold sweat and be shaking and a lot of that would be detox, but I think also there was a lot going on in my nervous system that needed to process. So if you need to shake it up to feel more relaxed, then do it. And just keep in mind that social connection and that play and relaxation. You remember my worship, work, rest, and play? Keep those things in balance the best you can. And, you know, one of the things that really did for me when I, the night before I was flying to Arkansas, I was so ready. Like I knew I had to do it. I, I wasn't feeling that great. And I w knew I was going way outside my comfort zone. And, but I did 
do it and I expected that it would not be comfortable and that made it easier for me. And so my window of tolerance to stress, it was important. And I want you to keep that in mind that you have this window of tolerance to stress. And for some of you, there might not be a window, there might not even be a crack or just a sliver of tolerance to stress. But as you activate your stress response, but allow it to process and then downregulate and do what you need to do to unpack that and to calm your stress response, that window of tolerance and your resilience to stress and your flexibility is going to increase hundredfold. And so the more that we can allow our bodies to feel safe internally and externally, and know that we build the confidence that we can handle things, the more resilience that we have when we're faced with any threats. And things like COVID, which affected all of us, and um, definitely just our nervous systems. And if you had COVID, maybe you have some long haul symptoms. Maybe you do have some neuroinflammation that have come into play. We need to get that nervous system down regulated and calmed. And if you want, I have resources on my website. If you've dealt with long haul COVID, I do um, have some great information. There's a link under resources. And if you scroll down, there's a there's a system called the Dolphin, and it's a vagal nerves stimulation system. And these little home kits that you can get are fantastic for training your vagus nerve. And um, it's actually the only um, modality that I believe Health Canada has endorsed for COVID long-haul symptoms. So something to look at. I'll leave it in the notes. And I just want you all to try something new. See if you can... Do something that will, you know, not push you too hard, but exercise your resilience and so that you can build that window of tolerance up. And if it ends up being buck fever, awesome. But one of the takeaways that I want to give you here is something I had to tell myself at three in the morning when I was processing some anxious symptoms and frustrated with, you know, I, you know, what went wrong and I couldn't explain how did I miss Well, I had to remind myself and it was like, it's almost like these words came loud and clear in my head and it said, trust the process. So if it comes to your healing, my friends, and you've got these modalities that you're working on and you're making space for your body to heal and you're getting out of the body's way so it innately can heal itself and you've you know, set your sight on things and you've got your goals and you've lined everything up and all of your equipment is there and it's still not hitting the target. I want you to trust the process, my friends. Things are going to allow you to grow. You're going to get more flexible. You're going to get more resilient and you're going to find that you've come down this road so far and you're like, wow, this really has been a journey back to health and I really have grown And hopefully you'll get to the place in your life where you're like, if it wasn't for these things that have happened to me, whether it's a trauma or an illness or whatever, it wouldn't have gotten me to this place. And so I want to congratulate you for your small wins and encourage you to continue on in the ones that you have set before you. God bless you, my friends, and I'll talk to you next time.